the pioneer gospel preachers, V.A. and Dora Gidro, in 1944. He's the eighth of nine children. He received the Holy Ghost at age eight years of age and has passionately served God since his entire life. He met the love of his life, Jerry Ann Lewis, in 1958, and they married in 1962. They have evangelized, pastored, planted a church, and are now traveling again full-time, preaching in Fort McMurray, and teaching marriage and family seminars. They are the parents of three children, grandparents to ten, and have two new great-granddaughters. Brother Gidro has served on the Tex South Texas District Board and oversees the honoring of our minister's program of the UPCI. Jerry Ann Gidros have served as hospitality coordinator in the Texas District and also in the South Texas District. And for Sister Bernard, our general superintendent's wife, at General Conference. She's also on the board of directors for the Lighthouse Ranch for Boys, and they both are national ambassadors for the ranch, which is an endorsed project of the United Pentecostal Church International. They're passionate about the work of God and lifting up the hands of the ministry. And I bring to you an anointed couple, Brother Reverend and Sister Leslie Gidrill. Take your liberty. Praise the Lord, everybody. My God, this is a great place. I told you I've been from Maine to Spain. Hong Kong to Ding Dong, you may be seated. But I have never enjoyed a night like I did last night. What a night. What a night to honor this blessed man of God and his precious wife. Oh, my goodness. Two weeks ago, we preached a tour in New York City. We preached for Brother Arthur Thomas and his wonderful wife. They have a great church in New York. And you and your wife are just almost twins to those blessed people. We have preached there many times. And, and then, you know, I, I was thinking, I have just about run the gamut or Jamaican churches in the world because I've preached to the great church in London, England filled with wonderful Jamaican people and then I've preached several conferences down in Jamaica thousands and thousands of people and then I preached in New York City preached in Toronto for Brother McKenzie preached in, in Vancouver for Brother Reynolds do you know of anybody I hadn't preached for that has a great Jamaican church? Preached in Montego Bay, Dr. Palmer. But it's been so great to be in this church and to see what God is doing here in Fort McMurray. And I, I want to be an ambassador 
a member at large. If you ought to make us a member, we'll be members at large of this wonderful church. If one of you ushers will come, maybe you boys can help us with this. I'd like to give each one of you a, a Bible marker that I designed several months back. It's for the Lighthouse Ranch for Boys that my wife is ambassador to. And there are not pledge cards. These are not pledge cards. These are prayer requests. We have helped over 1,000 boys in 37 years. And so that creates a 1,000 reasons to honor the boys' ranch with some kind of sacrifice every month. So we are appealing to our nationwide uh, United Pentecostal churches for support for these boys. And a few years ago, I had a nice little yacht that I, I gave away to a preacher friend of mine because I was traveling and couldn't maintain it. It lives in the water, so I gave it to him. And then a, few, a year ago, he gave me his yacht, and I am now in the development processes of that boat, and that is going to be for the Lighthouse Ranch Boys, for boys, red boat for fishing. And a businessman wanted to buy the boat and ship it up here to Seward, Alaska for halibut fishing, but uh, we're keeping the boat down in Galveston, and it's just about seaworthy. And uh, Pastor Will, there will be pictures on that screen someday of me and my fishing buddy uh, catching speckled trout, redfish out on the Galveston jetties in the Gulf of Mexico. And everybody in the UPC is want to go, want to go fishing with me. Because we are going to have fun. And as you can tell, I'm a party animal. I love to have fun, right? Y'all like to have fun? Amen. I didn't think y'all was going to quit laughing at my joke last night about the wonderful story of the man and his mother-in-law, his mother. Anyway, today is so great to be in the house of the Lord. And I give honor to our, our blessed pastor and his wife. We are so happy to be their friends. And we're looking forward to many other times of friendship. We're on our way to general convention. We'll rent a car as soon as we get home. And we'll take a month tour, which will be a part of general convention. And we're going to have a wonderful time. Blessing the people of the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. Now, each of you three that were fundraisers for Sheets for Christ, Tonight, uh, we'll bring you $20 a piece uh, for, your, for your sponsorship. We are proud of you doing that work. That is a great project. Everybody say amen. To be with all of you, amen. I passed, I don't know what the name of the town you're from. Athabasca. That's not anathema. Uh, Athabasca. Oh, it's great to have all of you blessed people and our other pastor that, what town are you from? Huh? Wherever that is, I don't know. I don't know. I was raised, I was born in Goose Creek, Texas, so I've been to Pig Face, Pennsylvania, Mule Shoe, Idaho, and now up here to McMurray. God bless everybody.
today I'd like to preach to you, and it is 12 o'clock. Everybody say 12 o'clock. Bong, 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 bong. That was Big Ben. My version of Big Ben. What time do y'all quit preaching? What time do you quit listening? What time do you get hungry? You know, sometimes I get to preaching and I get hungry. And if you bring me a Big Mac, I'll never quit preaching. I just eat it while I preach. Oh, what a church. Everybody say, I love my church. Love my pastor. Everybody say, Pastor, you can't make me mad. You tell me whatever God tells you to tell me. Just don't you let me go to hell. I'd rather get my feelings hurt here than my soul burn forever. Amen. I want to be saved more than I want to be not embarrassed. Right? Who wants to face judgment with surprises? Just pop up surprises. I didn't know. You mean that is going to keep me out of heaven? I don't want any, everybody say, I don't want any surprises. Pastor, don't let me have surprises. If you don't like my spirit, you tell me. Everybody say, if you don't like my spirit, because God is a spirit, and he's going to judge spirits. You think it doesn't make any difference? It does make any difference. You better get your mind off of what religion you're in and get your mind on what kind of spirit you've got. Creating me a clean heart and a right spirit. You're going to be judged by every action, word, and deed. And your pastor is going to stand there and give an account for your soul. He's got a whole filing cabinet just with your name on it. And when he stands there, if he lies, he fries. Come on, folks. We're giving our life to see you saved. But we're not going to go to hell to keep you liking us for eternity. We're not here to make you happy. God didn't call pastor here to make you happy. Every time you come to church, pinch your little old cheek and say, you're just a beautiful saint of God. Oh, I just love you, baby. God didn't give you a pastor to make you happy. Come on, everybody. He gave me a pastor to see my soul saved. And you highly respect your banker whenever he gives you a decision you know you respect his decision. But that's just earthly stuff that's going to burn up. Come on. It'll take the flight of a bird. You don't think it does? Talk to people that lost a lot of money on the stock market the last two weeks. Money flies like a bird. Billions of dollars flew like a bird. Come on. Forget it. This is what's important. is your soul. Your eternal soul. See, well, I don't like the music of this church. I don't like the color of paint this church. I don't like the end of town this church is on. I don't like the street name it's on. Whatever. That's irrelevant. Everybody say, that's irrelevant. What color the carpet, what, if, that, whether they have pews or chairs or not. That's irrelevant. What's important is your soul. Your eternal soul is worth more than all the world. He didn't come here to start a new religion. He came here to save men from sin. Sin will damn your soul. 
sin will separate you from God. Get your mind off of religions. Religions weren't designed by God. They were designed by man. Salvation is designed by God. But religion was designed by man. Religion is designed to, to divide people. Salvation is designed to save people. Reading this morning, afternoon, from Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29. Y'all pray for me to quit preaching, will you, when I, get, when I need to quit? Because when I dive into the, the word of the Lord, it's like an ocean, and I don't know where the other shore is. My daddy used to say he was a great preacher. My daddy used to say, I've got a good, good set of tires. I got good uh, bumper, got good engine, good transmission. My windows go up and down, but my brakes are bad. So I've got bad brakes. For our God, everybody say, our God is a consuming fire. Would you lay your hand on somebody next to you or close to you and pray a prayer of blessing that God will help us to hear the word of the Lord. Father, this is a precious church. This is a magnificent congregation. We are in your divine destiny. When you were on the cross, you thought about Fort McMurray, Canada. And the revival that would burn in this city in the last days. I ask you in Jesus' name, bless every person that's here. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our God's a consuming fire. That is a subject we don't speak about very often. The aspect of God that we don't talk about very much. But it's a very important aspect of our God's existence. The first idea that we get, and I, I love this chart back here. I, I use this chart frequently in my Bible studies when I'm in home Bible studies. I could take you through this chart in about 20 minutes. I could intrigue you with the Bible the rest of your life. Because this chart explains the Bible from eternity alpha through eternity omega. This is one of the greatest developments of Bible understanding and Bible prophetical portrait. That is a prophetical portrait of the entire Bible from Genesis through Revelation, and then on into eternity. That chart is a blessed chart. If I were you, I would demand somebody in this church teach me about that chart. I would demand for my soul's salvation, I demand that somebody explain to me the simplicity. It's a very simple, it's a very simple story. I'm not going to get into it, but it is a very simple portrait. That once you understand the, 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 the uniqueness of God's word, there's no book like it because it's the only book in existence that has the element of prophecy. Where God can tell a man on the mountain of prophecy 
he can take Moses 2,000 years after the creation of the world to write about the creation of the world, about Noah's Ark. That was written by Moses on the Mount of Revelation, looking backward. He also looked forward to the cross. He saw Jesus on the cross 2,000 years later. What a majestic book that can tell the end from the beginning. Wow, everybody say, wow. I've got to get in the book. Come on, I've got to study the book. I've got to fall in love with the book. I've got to be intrigued with the book. It's the book of life. It's the only book that tells you why you're here, where you're going, what your eternal destiny is, where you came from, and what life is all about. You ought to shout every time you take your Bible in your hand. Because this is the only thing that explains... I brought with me this morning, just for this second here, a friend gave me a book entitled Einstein, written by Walter Isaacson, on page 386. It tells the story of Einstein being interviewed by George Sylvester Weyrich, a famous interviewer. He bagged interviews with the fraud Hitler to the, to the Kaisers and wrote a book entitled Glimpses of the Great. When he was interviewing Einstein, he said this, Mr. Einstein, are you a Jew? He said, I am. To what extent are you influenced by Christianity? He said, as a child, I received instruction both in the Bible and in the Talmud. I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. Do you accept the historical existence of Jesus? Unquestionably. No one can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. And no myth is filled with such life. Do you believe in God? I am not an atheist. Page 386, the last book written about Einstein. Do you feel the luminous spirit of Jesus Christ? When you read his sacred word, do you feel cold chills when you read the Bible? Everybody say, I love my Bible. It was in the year that King Uzziah died. He said, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple and it stood. Above it stood a seraphims. Each one had six wings and twain filled the his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And he cried and said unto another, the same three words that every creature that gets to the throne of God, every creature that gets to the throne of God says the same thing. Holy, holy, holy. 
Because there's something different about God. Everything else that we know is earthly and carnal. Intellectual. But when we get to God, it is spiritual. He's different. Everybody say, He's different. There's no sin in Him. There's no compromise in Him. There's no wickedness in Him. There's no darkness in Him. He is holy. Come on, somebody. Holy. Holy. Every creature that gets to His throne says the same thing. He is holy. He is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory, Lord of hosts. Then one flew, flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from off the altar, laid upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. I'd like you just to pretend that this pulpit is God's throne. And God's throne is the power source for the entire universe. Every star is not floating in space, dangling. Every star is in spiritual concrete. Never varying, never wavering, or shadow of turning. You can always depend on the place of the stars. You were a pirate, a pilot of a ship. You could guide the ship across the ocean by placement of the stars. And so our God is a consuming fire. And in that throne are coals of fire, lightning and thunder. And from that power source, the moon is still where God said, let there be moon. The sun is still blazing, let there be sun. There's still a million mile an hour wind blowing on the surface of the sun because our God said in the beginning, let there be light. Can everybody say amen? amen? The power of his word. But Isaiah said. Now, Ezekiel said from that throne, God took 12 stones and put it on the chest of Lucifer. He bedecked the son, the great cherubim of light. And that beautiful display of 12 stones found in Ezekiel 28. Named, there's nine of them named in Ezekiel. Why the other three, we do not know. But those same 12 stones in Ezekiel, that when Lucifer confronted Eve, he wasn't just a serpent, he had these stones in Eden. He was displaying the splendor of God's eternal program and romance of redemption. Because those same 12 stones are found in, these, in Exodus 28, and they are named the 12 tribes of Israel. 
before God created the earth, in the throne, he took out 12 emblems that would represent the 12 tribes. Now, that is not mind blessing. Come on, everybody. All of this is not just some fangdangled idea that came out of God's hip pocket. Our God doesn't operate out of his hip pocket. He operates out of a mind of genius. He knows the end from the beginning. And he pulled those stones out and put them on Lucifer. Lucifer came down to Eden with those stones. Now when the 12 tribes had a high priest, they put the breastplate on him with the same 12 stones named in Ezekiel or named in Exodus. Same 12 stones, but they had the names of the 12 tribes before Abraham brought forth Isaac and Isaac brought forth Jacob. And then the 12 tribes. If that doesn't intrigue you, what will? And if there were no Judah, there'd be no Jesus. If there'd be no Jesus, there'd be no 12 apostles. If there'd be no 12 apostles, there'd be no 12 names on the foundation stones of the eternal city, the New Jerusalem. Which has foundations, and those same 12 stones are in Revelation 21, are the foundation stones of the eternal city, the New Jerusalem. You think, that's not intriguing. The same 12 stones in heaven, same 12 stones in Eden, same 12 stones in the breastplate, and it goes into the tabernacle, Holy of Holies, every year, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. The dearest thing to the heart of God is his church. His Old Testament Judaism, his New Testament Christianity. Did you know the New Testament is in the Old Testament contained? The Old Testament is in the New Testament explained. The Old Testament's the acorn, the New Testament is the oak. But it's all connected. Same God, Jehovah, created the universe. Holy Ghost, everybody say Holy Ghost, created the universe, conceived in Mary. Brought forth the only baby born of a woman that did not have an earthly father. Is that okay? What a God we serve. Everybody say Jesus is the Father. Because in Him dwell the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He had the Holy Ghost in Him because it was the Holy Ghost that was His daddy. When He said Father, He meant Holy Ghost. When He said Father, He meant Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost created the universe. Holy Ghost impregnated Mary's womb. Holy Ghost dwelt in Jesus. Holy Ghost did all the miracles. Holy Ghost left his body for three days. Holy Ghost went, came back in his body. After 40 days, the Holy Ghost ascended that body to the throne of God. And out of that body now flows the same Holy Ghost that created the universe. It's now given to all of us disciples. That's what brings us into the great family of God. Anybody say hallelujah. But that fire that created those stones. And Isaiah said that a seraphim 
went to the throne. Everybody say, a seraphim went to the throne and took fire, a coal of fire, came down through the universe, past sun, moon, and stars, past the Milky Way. Come on, everybody. And came down to where Isaiah was and touched his lips. And when they did, his iniquity was removed. Y'all okay? That was the first proof that our God is a consuming fire. And he consumed all the iniquities. Because he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Out of my heart proceeds evil. Out of the mouth tells what's in the heart. When you use damn and hell and all the other vulgar cuss words, you are defiling the temple of the Holy Ghost. And a man of unclean lips will use any kind of four-letter word to prove his anger, his revenge, his vulgarity, his filthiness, his lewdness. It all comes out of the lips. Quit your cussing. Everybody say, stop it. Don't let your kids hear you say those words. Be a man of clean lips. Whoa. Everybody say, you're getting strong, preacher man. You want to go to hell? Keep a dark heart and filthy lips. You'll see where you get. Because he cleansed the lips of Isaiah. It was the first sign that our God's a consuming fire. He consumed the iniquity of Isaiah. Everybody say, glory to God. And then, the next time that God proved that he was a consuming fire was when Abel offered a sacrifice to God. It doesn't say in the Bible that literal fire fell from heaven. But from every Bible scholar, it is believed that God accepted the sacrifice of Abel by going to his throne. And when Cain saw that fire on Abel's altar, that's when trouble began. And God evidently accepted. Because the consistency of God's pattern is when a man offers a sacrifice that is acceptable to God, fire fell consistently every time on the altar. Are you grateful for our God being? A God that confirms his presence with fire. The second time that God proved he's a God of a consuming fire is when Abraham, in Genesis 15, God said, take a heifer, she-goat, a ram, Turtle dove and a pigeon. I hate pigeons. 
I've been to the Vatican, and I walk out of the Vatican, and pigeons dropping little white specks on my head. I've been to the Supreme Court. I've been to the White House. I've been to the Capitol. In Galveston, every morning I wake up, pigeons are all singing the same song. Around the world, the same song, same tune, same sound. No change. I hate pigeons. Just teasing. But God told Abraham to offer a pigeon, a turtle dove. And those, as you know, became the clean that redeemed the defiled. Can everybody say amen? What did God do when Abraham offered his animals? God went, everybody say God went to his throne. Come on, everybody. You got to help me. Preaching is not a performance. Preaching is everybody preaching together, okay? Come on, get in here with me. Everybody say God went to his throne, took fire, and came down to David's altar and went in between those sacrifices. Because our God, come on, our God is a consuming fire. The next time that fire was evident was Moses on the mountain. And all of a sudden, he turned, and the bush was on fire. Don't you dare me. Because I got a little pyrotechnique in my body. I'm a little boy, and I love to play with matches. And Moses looked at the bush, and it was burning. But it didn't burn up the bush. Because our God's fire is a supernatural fire. It can burn in the bush and not burn up the bush. It can burn on the altar and not burn up the altar. So the next time that God proved he is a consuming fire was when Aaron offered that lamb on the Day of Atonement Signifying being at one with God. At atonement is at one with. And when our God wanted Israel to be one with him, he said, I'm going to once again prove to them. Because, friend, the greatest thing that God can do in, in his own mentality to mankind is to prove I'm with you. Folks, you need to know God's with you. We're living in a world of doubt and skepticism and all kinds of, of analogies and all kinds of religions. And, 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 and I mean, I've got scores of people that need God to prove to them he's with them. The greatest promise we have is that I'm with you always, even in the world. How many are glad that God's with you? If you make your bed in hell, don't forget when God visits you, you're going to feel his love. He's not going to turn to hatred just because he's in hell. 
He loves the souls in heaven. He loves the souls in hell. And so our God, when Aaron offered that lamb on that altar, everybody say, God went to his throne and he got fire. He came back past all of the jet streams. Come on. If you've ever flown, you know there's jet streams, right? Turbulence. We shook like a leaf coming into Fort McMurray. And our God came past sun, moon, and stars. He consumed that, fi- that sacrifice on Aaron's altar. Fire. Everybody say fire. Fire. Is an apostolic distinction of God's literal presence. Wouldn't it be stupid to come to church and just perform religious rites and not have the presence of our God in the midst? To worship a God you can't feel, a God you can't know, a God that can't heal you, a God that can't help you, and a God that can't save you. God, I feel like preaching here this morning. You need to get all doubt in your mind, out of your mind. Because our God will prove his presence to you. He has never allowed his people to live in doubt. Did God ever have a struggle? Oh, did he ever have a struggle? Trying to persuade men of unbelief that he is the mighty God in flesh. Healed three million people and they still did not believe he was the Lamb of God. That's pretty profound ignorance in in darkness, right? When you will see him take bread... He blessed a little, few little crackers and sardines and in a, a seafood platter for the whole discipleship. And oh, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't. they watched him. Lazarus, come forth! <laughs> you sure stink, Lazarus. You've been dead four days, Lazarus. We know that, but you ain't no resurrected man. Boy, it was hard for Jesus to convince. The people, he was the mighty God. No matter how many miracles he did, three million miracles, one-on-one, face-to-face, and still could not convince the stubborn, hardened brain, religious bigots, that he was the mighty God, the only Savior of the world. Everybody say, the only one that can save me is Jesus. The only religious leader that ever confronted and confronted the world about sin. Look up Buddhism. Look up Confucianism. None of them deal with the issue of sin. Christianity is the only religion that deals with the sin element that will damn your soul. You ought to shout every day that you're not going to hell. Everybody say, I'm not going to hell. Come on, I'm not going to hell. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me. I repent of my sins. There's nothing between my soul and my Savior. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Now when Aaron 
the fire fell on the outside of the court. Then God said, you take that fire and you go inside and you light those seven golden candlesticks. Everybody say, same fire that fell on the altar outside had to light the candle on the inside. And that fire would show the priest where the, the, the altar of incense was and, and the table of showbread so they could eat because that's where they sustained their life and where the veil was. And so everybody say, same fire. And it could not be strange fire. You could not take your little Boy Scout book and you study it and how to rub flint together and, and, and strike a fire. No, you can't. You can't have a religion started by man. Come on, everybody. You can't have a human religion. It's got to have a divine element in it. It's got to have a supernatural element in it. And so, everybody say, same fire. And the seven, candle, seven golden candlesticks. Now those, there's nothing in the Old Testament. Maybe the man of God can tell me, correct me. What those seven... Candlesticks represented, it seemed like they are figurative to the New Testament, seven churches of Asia. That when you get to heaven, you'll see Jesus right up there, just like the priests had to keep the lights burning in the temple. Jesus is right now keeping the revival fire burning in the New Testament churches. He's walking among the candlesticks, making sure. Fort McMurray has got fire. Right now, he's keeping the fire burning in this church. Then you tell everybody say, same fire. You take it up here and put it in the altar of incense. Everybody say, same fire. In the altar of incense. No strange fire. Nadab and Abihu built their own little fire and God killed them. Everybody say, don't touch that. Don't touch God's anointed. Everybody say, same fire was in the outer court brazen altar in the seven golden candlesticks and the altar of incense. But Hebrews 9 and 4 says that in the tabernacle, holy of holies, there was the golden censer. Now evidently, that golden censer, to my understanding and research, was that light that the priest would use when he went behind the veil to show him where the Ark of the Covenant was so he wouldn't touch it and die. And where the mercy seat was to sprinkle the blood between the cherubim. And everybody say, same fire. You take it inside and you, you burn it, that altar of, it's called the censer. Everybody say, the golden censer. Now that golden censer was a fire that Samuel, when he came to the temple, God gave him a mandate, and that was this. Samuel, don't worry about anything else but keeping the light burning in the tabernacle. Ere the light go out, Samuel. Now Eli used to be so sensitive to God, he could hear God whisper. 
But now he could not hear God's thunder. And little Samuel came in the house of God and he slept with one eye open, watching those candlesticks, and one eye shut. All night. Don't let the light go out. Because if the light goes out, Ichabod appears on the front door of the tabernacle. The glory has departed. Don't worry about how many shields are in the closets. How many stallions are in the stables. How many soldiers are in the bunkhouse. Come on everybody. Because your strength is not in man. Your strength is in the presence of the Lord. One and God is a majority. We've got a sister in jail right now in Kentucky because she wouldn't sell. Right? You know what? That little woman in God's. Her God's all she needs. Come on. She said God's law is above man's law. You've got to be a pretty strong person to stand up against the world of iniquity. I'm proud of my sister. I'm proud of every Iraqi that's dying right now with their heads being cut off. I'm proud of every Chinaman right now that's going to a church that had a cross torch this week. Because they're torching every cross off of every church in China. But not too long ago I read on the Drudge Report, China is now a Christian nation. Can you believe that? There are 88 million communists in China, 100 million Christians. The revival fire is burning. The same report had a picture of a bulldozer bulldozing the biggest Christian church in China. That's okay, baby. All you're doing is fanning the flame. Because when you crucify Christ, you don't kill Christianity. When you kill millions of martyrs, you don't. All you're doing, the church is the seed. The seed of the church is the blood of the martyr. We're living in the greatest day the world's ever known. More are being killed for Christ right now than ever before. And the church marches on. Everybody say the church marches on. Because our God, come on, our God is a consuming fire. So that, that fire, that censored fire, was in case the wind would blow the tabernacle over. It was a tent. There'd still be a fire burning. Because Israel without a fire is Ichabod. Everybody say, we've got to have the Holy Ghost. And fire. So that golden censer was the emergency fire. And then he said there's fire on the tabernacle. Can you imagine if this church had a torch out here in the front? How many would like for every night above this church to be a big old torch about as big as a hot air balloon? <sighs> I love to hear hot air balloons. People say, where do you go to church? 
Oh, have you ever been by that church that's got a torch on it at night? Yes, 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 sir, yes. Every time I go through it, go by there, I nearly have a car wreck. I can't get my eyes off that torch. Folks, if this church had a torch on it, you'd have EMS out there, uh, departs that build an EMS, that have a, there'd be a, a record service out in front, probably build a hospital right across the street. There'd be so many car wrecks. But in your darkest night, in your darkest night, when you're sleeping on rocks in a hot desert, and you're, you're eating manna from a dirt ground and water from a rock, and snakes are crawling through your tent. You can always look at the tabernacle. Our God. Our God. Our God. He's still with us. He's still with us. Prophet said he's like fire shut up in my bones. But it doesn't burn up my bones. It's a supernatural fire. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were looking at that fiery furnace. I, I found the other day in the Apocrypha the song of the children. That's the song that I, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sang before they went into the fire furnace. They watched the man heating it up seven times hotter melt. Before the very door. And they looked in that fire. They said fire. You will not consume us. We can walk through the flood. And not be destroyed. And we can go through the fire. Because our God. Is going to bring glory. He's going to get glory. Out of that fire. Because we're going to walk through that fire. It'll burn up these ropes that bind us, but it won't burn us up. It won't even singe the hair on our hand. Because our God is a consuming fire. He never fails to prove His presence. Can everybody say hallelujah? Everybody say He's a fire shut up in my bones. Does anybody feel the Holy Ghost right now? John the Baptist said, He that comes after me is mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to tie up his shoes. But yet, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and ice cubes. And your church is going to be as cold as a refrigerator. You go to church like a deep freeze. I went to St. Paul's Cathedral in London, England one Sunday morning and said, I want to see what kind of religion is going on. And all I saw was about 20 gawkers looking around at the big dome. Birds flying around. Nobody praising God. Nobody shouting hallelujah. Religion is dead in Europe. But it's not, it's not dead here in McMurray. You hear me? We don't care what God does. We're in for it. 
If he changes our mind, that's okay. If he changes our religion, that's okay. Religion that never has saved anybody. If I say our God is a consuming fire. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one mind, in one accord, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. There had been seven to ten days repenting of all their sin. That offered themselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And everywhere a sacrifice has been accepted, fire has appeared. And so on that day of Pentecost, if I say Almighty God went to his throne and said, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. Because I told them to go tarry in the city of Jerusalem. Because I'm God and I change not. I'm a consuming fire. And I'm going down to Jerusalem where all of my disciples are. 600 of them heard me command it. But 120 has stayed. And I'm going to let cloven tongues like as a fire sit upon them. And you shall speak with new tongues. You shall speak with new tongues. And don't criticize my heavenly tongue as long as you're speaking Latin at every mass that nobody can understand. Don't, com don't complain about the tongue of Jesus Christ. On the cross, he said, Eloi, Eloi, Lamak Sabachthani, and had to interpret the tongue. Don't criticize me for speaking in tongues. If he said I was going to do it, I don't care what you say, baby. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Nothing but the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank God Almighty. I got it. I'm with you. I'm with you. Come on, boys. We're not serving a God that has disappeared. That never speaks. Never reveals himself. Always reveals himself. He's not afraid of anybody. He's not intimidated by anybody. <laughs> And there is no politically correct culture can intimidate our God. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't intimidate him. The people in Noah's day didn't intimidate him. Every family, read it in Dake's Bible, every family in Noah's time was in adultery but Noah and his children. God said, I'm going to wipe adultery off the face of this earth. I'm going to kill every adulterer.
There'll never be any more adultery. Put his commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Come on, everybody. Y'all okay? When the apostle Paul was in Melita, they had a nice little fire burning on a rainy day. And he puts a stick in that fire. And a viper grabs him. It was a highly poisonous viper. Because everybody said, step back. The death angel will be here in 20 minutes. He's a dead man. Apostle Paul. Glory to God in the highest. Because our God's a consuming fire. The fire burned the poison in the fangs of the serpent. And could not destroy the possible. On the day of Pentecost, 120 people spoke in tongues. When did you get the Holy Ghost, Kenny? Before I was eight. You know what happened when you got the Holy Ghost, Kenny? Where were you, where were you in the church when you got it? Were you here? Get home. You can. Salt Lake City. Morona, I needed this. Let him toot his horn all he wants to, baby. Moronine did not die on the cross for Ronnie. Here's what God did. Let's pretend that Caleb is in Salt Lake City and Almighty God, everybody say Almighty God, goes to his throne and as the world turns, here comes our God, Jesus Christ. He set his lips on fire. And all of his iniquities. All his iniquities. Everybody say, Our God is a consuming fire. Now, let me go through this simple little ending here with the entire book of Revelation, okay? The book of Revelation is really not about the end time, it is about the the sermon I'm going to preach tonight on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. But Revelation 1 through 8 lets us know that the Antichrist is building up his kingdom. Right? And then, in Revelation 8, it talks about the prayers that are all bottled up. Your prayers, everybody say, my prayers, 
never die. They're bottled in vials and put under God's altar. Come on, somebody. Now, if you know what's going to happen to your prayers, you'll probably pray more. Right? I'm closing. Six minutes to one. Y'all okay? In Revelation, it says that that the angel takes all the prayers, everybody say all the prayers of all the ages. All the prayers, Old Testament prayers, New Testament prayers. And evidently, that golden censer may have been translated to heaven. But there is a golden censer in heaven. Y'all okay? Everybody say there's a golden censer in heaven. And the angel packs that golden censer with all of the prayers of every saint of the ages. Because it says all prayers. And much incense. That's praises. Every hallelujah you have ever said. He puts it in the golden censer. Come on. Can we add a few to it right now? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, angel. Pack them in. Pack them in. Every time you say, I love you, Jesus, it goes to the golden censer. Every prayer, listen, prayers never die. Everybody say, prayers never die. Are you thankful that your prayers never die? And your praises never die. We're not wasting our time shouting hallelujah. We're not wasting our time singing how great thou art. Every time we sing amazing grace, it's put in that. Every prayer, I say every praise, every prayer, the angel packs it. Everybody say the angel in heaven. Packs the golden censer. The Antichrist has built up his kingdom. Loves to stand and say in the temple of God, I am God. Right? Now let me say one thing before I go into this. I'm closing. Jesus Christ did not use the power of divinity to endure the cross. Had he used the power of divinity, he would have called 10,000 angels. Y'all okay? 
He didn't make it through the cross because he was God in flesh. He faced, come on, everybody look at me now. Come on, give me some, everybody. Come on, let's go eye to eye. Everybody watch me, right in my eye. Jesus Christ looked Satan right in the eye. I'm not facing you with the power of Almighty God. Because without me was not anything made that was made. I am life and I'm the light of men. I'm facing you with the power of prayer. Not my will, but thy will be done. Folks, don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Keep praying, mama, for your husband. God will go behind the scenes and get to working on him. Don't try to change him. Let God, he's the boss. Let the boss change him. Go over his head. Speak to his creator. And that angel put every hallelujah, every praise, and every prayer in the golden censer. And the Bible says he hurled it down to earth. Can you imagine that golden censer flying through outer space? He brings it down to planet Earth. And here's my challenge. Read the rest of the book of Revelation. And write down every scripture that talks about from that Revelation 8 on. Every scripture that talks about the demise of the Antichrist eventually bound and cast in the lake of fire. And from that point in Revelation, write every scripture that talks about the rise of Jesus Christ to King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It all starts with the golden censer. The power of prayer brings down the Antichrist and exalts our Jesus Christ. Woo! I feel like shouting. I feel like adding a few prayers to that golden censer. I feel like adding some hallelujahs. Now I've got to have everybody's attention for the last story. My wife and I have preached a lot in Alaska. And about three summers ago, or four, I was knocking doors with Brother Bradbury, and we knocked on the door of a guy named John Klugiak. And he came to church. John and his wife got in the church, and he plays the guitar at the church. And, and uh, we were back there visiting the church in Tuksuk Bay, which is as near Siberia as you can get still being in the U.S., Took Sook Bay on the Barren Sea, little village on the, on the sea. We were out knocking doors, and John Klugiak came to church. Came, we had a marriage retreat in the, the Catholic bingo hall of Took Sook Bay. And so we were back a couple of years ago in Alaska, and I said, John, I, I haven't caught a salmon all summer. Can you take me fishing? Go get your four-wheeler and take me up in the mountains beautiful river comes out of the mountains salmon coming up 
went, he took me down the river and that way about six miles through the tundra. And I caught a beautiful salmon. He had a shotgun to go goose hunting, but he didn't get a goose. I got a salmon. Came back, picked me up, wrapped up the salmon. And I was on the back of the four-wheeler, and we got a mile from Tuxuk Bay, right on the ocean, with two wheels in the water and two wheels on the sand. And he turned it off. He said, Brother, get roll. Now, John Klugiak is a Yupik Indian. I love Yupik Indians. And he said, Brother Gidrow, I need you to pray for me, Brother Gidrow. I got a crime on my record from before I became a Christian. And I, I need you to pray that God will expunge my record so I can get a good job. And so on that four-wheeler, I just made John's back my altar. I laid my hand on his back. I said, Jesus, John Klugiak can't get a good job. I was going to expunge the criminal record of John Klugiak from the criminal system of the state of Alaska. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Cranked up and took me back. And at three o'clock, I caught a plane, left back for home. Three weeks later, on a Sunday night at midnight, my phone rings. It was Dr. Bradbury. He said, Brother Gidrose, you mind talking to John a minute? I said, Certainly. John said, Brother Gidrose, Brother Gidrose, this is John. You remember me? You remember praying for me on the back of my four-wheeler in Tuxuk Bay? Sure, John. Sure, John. Brother Gidrow. God answered your prayer, Brother Gidrow. My record has been, and I told this last summer in Dr. Bradbury's church in Bethel. He confirmed it. God did a miracle and went to Here's what happened. Here's what happened. God went to his altar. Everybody say, God went to his altar. While I was on the back of the four-wheeler, God went to his altar, came down to Juno, went into the criminal system. Where's the room that's got the K's? K's, 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 clue, 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 clue. I need the book that's got Klugiak in it. Klugiak, Klugiak, Klugiak. There it is, right there. Pulled out that book. Took it over. Opened it up and said, where is John, John, John? Open up that book. John Klukiak, crime. And he burned it up. Burned it up. Brother Gidrose, what's going to happen? Why, do, why is God a fire? God is a consuming fire so that he can destroy everything that is not right, that is sinful, that's debaucherous, that is damnable, that is destructive. Why do I need the Holy Ghost to burn up my unclean lips? To burn up the sin in my soul? To burn up my gossiping tongue? 
to burn up my lustful eyes, to burn up my lustful flesh, to burn up my prideful heart. I need a fire. Woo! Come on, Holy Ghost. Everybody receive the Holy Ghost. Stand up. Raise your hands. Scream it out. The same Holy Ghost of the Old Testament is the Holy Ghost of the New Testament. Come on, somebody. Let him set my soul on fire. You know that song? Set my soul on fire. Come on. Fire, fire, fire. Fire, follow me. Somebody receive the Holy Ghost. Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. It's on fire, burning with the Holy Ghost. I wish somebody saw Catch on fire, catch on fire. Catch on fire, I wish somebody so would catch on fire, burning with the Holy Ghost. I wish somebody so would catch on fire, catch on fire, catch on fire. I wish somebody so would catch on fire, burning with the Holy Ghost. I wish somebody so would catch on fire, catch on fire, catch on fire. I wish somebody so Praise him, praise him. 
Praise him. Praise him. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Fire, 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 follow me. Fire, 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 follow me. Under ya la 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 maki, under ya la maki, under ya la 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 maki, under ya. He under ya la 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 maki, under ya la maki, under ya. Fire, follow me. Fire, 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 follow me. Fire, 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 Name in Jesus' name, same Holy Ghost, 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 same Holy